Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Tuesday morning. I'm going to go to school soon, but um, see if I can do a feel a podcast now. Um, as I don't have anybody yet this week for the uh, Parsha or the Haftorah. I hope that'll happen. Uh, but I wanted to talk a little bit about Rosh Hashanah and davening there a certain aspect. Uh, and that is as follows, connected with the chauffeur idea. I think I've spoken about it in the past in, in different ways. I'm always interested, drawn, it always attracts my attention. Whenever you have uh, Rosh Hashanah every year, the Mishnahis, the Gemara is about the straight chauffeurs versus the curved chauffeurs. We use the curved ones, I get it, but uh, that's the Ramapasa you have to, others say it's dealer's choice. But uh, universally, everybody uses a cur- curved chauffeur. Although, uh, in the Mishnah, as I'm sure everybody knows, I mean, I assume most people listening have at least seen Mishnah at least one time or another, uh, that they used to use in basically straight chauffeurs. Now, I use the word straight as the Meiri says, it's a relative term. Nothing's exactly straight, but you know what you and I call straight chauffeurs, right? So, for example, the Mishnah Rosh Hashanah. This is all famous. Chauffeur of Rosh Hashanah in the base of Megillah. El Pashut or Pib Metzuvah Zahav. Ushtei Chatzos is Minatzdaden. Chauffeur Mark Chatzos Mekatzrin Mekatzros. So he used to blow in the base of Megillah in a very specific way that we don't do, of course, anymore. And that is, they would have uh, uh, simultaneously a chauffeur. When time came for Tikkun Chauffeur. Rosh Hashanah, so uh, the guy would blow the chauffeur, would be a straight chauffeur, by the way, with a gold mouthpiece, sort of, not exactly, you know, a little bit farther than the mouth, and uh, simultaneously with two trumpets. And the Gemara has to go figure out, how can you hear the chauffeur if you got the trumpets? They work it, excuse me, they work it out. But, um, so, once upon a time, they used to use, in the base Hamigdash, a straight chauffeur. Separate from that, it's a debate uh, Tanakam and Rabbi Huda is it or something in the Mishnah um, in third parak about the shofar that you and I use. No, it's not in the base of Mikdash. We follow Rabbi Huda and Rosh Hashanah Tokum Shel Zacharim and Kafuf. It's a curved shofar. So by the time it's over, the practice manifests itself and the practice followed the opinion and say use the curved shofar. Whether or not you can use a straight chauffeur is a debate among the Rishonim and all that. But, and as I said, the Rambam is very adamant you have to use a curved chauffeur. doesn't count otherwise. The Rivet says, who said? It's one of those uh, things. Now, what's the difference between a straight chauffeur and a curved chauffeur? I'm sure I, I must have mentioned it before. Um, it's very interesting. The Gemara says something, uh, uh, Notice, what's the difference of opinion? Who cares? The chauffeur that you blow in Rosh Hashanah, which is so heavy, it's the central, um, it's the only derisive component of the davening. Uh, so, what's the difference between this kind of chauffeur and that kind of chauffeur? After all, we do have a policy, really, of dealer's choice in a lot of things. Um, perhaps you'll remember that when it comes to Tekiya, Shvarm, Trua, Tekiya, uh, of course, it evolved into the system we have now of 100 kolos, but as uh, Rav Haigon says, anything is okay, any kind of Trua. 
It could be a shmarm, it could be a trua, it could be a shmarm trua. It's all okay. It's just eventually they wanted to concretize it in specific dire- directives. So that's why we do it in the very rigid way that we do it today. Tashrad, and then, and then Tashad, and all that. But really, anything goes, because the Torah simply said trua. Anything like that is okay. So similarly, the shofar says, uh, Duran makes the point I'm making. The Torah doesn't say anything about uh, what, what shape the shofar is. It just says, Havart the shofar, but you know, Bachodesh as we all know, the Pasuk never speaks directly about Rosh Hashanah. It talks about Yovo. You understand what I'm saying? Nowhere in the Bible does it say, Thou shalt blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. But by the time we finish with the Xerah Shabbos and all that, it does. Uh, but really, it says it by uh, Yovo. It says it by Yom Kippur, may I say, on the Yovo. So, uh, what's the story with the with, with the difference between whether it's, it's, it's this type of shofar or that type of shofar? Again, I'm talking about the shape, not the animals itself. And the Gemara says very famously, uh, this is on uh, the third parak on 26, Chaf Beis. It's in Mar Sabra Rosh Hashanah Kama the Koyif Inish Daiti Tfei And Mar Sabra Rosh Hashanah Kama the Poshet Inish Daiti Tfei One opinion is, uh, listen closely, Kama the Koyif Inish Daiti. The more one bends one's das, Tfei that's better. Therefore, you want curved. And the other opinion is Rosh Hashanah Kama the Poshet Inish Daiti Tfei Or Rosh the more one straightens one's das, the better it is. So does it have a, a curved das or a, a straight das? Well, that's a strange expression. And Rashi wrestles with this, of course. And to tell you the truth, um, I don't want to get too much into this, but it seems to me, I'm sure others, that you know Rashi has um, there's some Girsa issues over here. And it might not all be from the same Rashi, the same author. You know, it's scholarly question. Uh, because in uh, if you look at the Dikduke uh, Sofram and all that sort of thing, the Girsas, so there's an other Girsa that leaves out the word Das. I'm saying this for a reason, not to be technical. Uh, so in other words, instead of saying Kama de Kayef Inish Daite Tfei you just say Kama de Kayef Inish Tfei The more one is bent, the better it is. The more one is straight, the better it is. As opposed to the Girsa that says, the more than one's das is bent, or the more one's das is straight. So Rashi seems to me is like you know having it both ways. Um and he says, Okay? So um that sounds like you're leaving out the word das, at least to me. And so Rashi means, as I understand it, that the chauffeur actually looks like a person bent over in prayer. So take your chauffeur. Stand it up, not on the curved side, but on the straight side. You know, stand, stand, put it the mouth at the bottom where you blow and stand it up. And it looks like a guy bent over, you see. On the other hand, if you have a straight chauffeur, you put it down, it looks like a guy standing up. And so the chauffeur is sort of like a, a uh, artistic, uh, you know, image, a, a physical image of the ideal uh, person in prayer. So the one who says, Come at the finish, Mali, not finish Daite. Uh, and Rashi said, but also. So that means when you're when, when you're actually praying. And uh, therefore, Hilkach, Rosh Hashanah, Tfilah, Lahaskaritis, Kis, Yitzah, Binik, Fufin. So Rosh Hashanah, you know, you bend over. Then he throws in this Akedis, Yitzah thing, which the Gemara doesn't mention at all. So I don't want to get into like a Marshal type thing. Just, you, I'm just throwing these themes out at you. 
And then, what about with Rashi say the, the straighter you are, the better? Uh, whatever. It's it, it's better to daven straight up. Uh, that's the old, what should I put it? Shulchan Aruch type of way of davening. No, it's not the Hasidish way in which you shuckle. But imagine, and I saw people, you know, I mean, you know, my uh, Rebbeim and all that, my father davened that way. You just stand straight the whole davening. You know, like it says in the Shulchan Aruch. Like you're standing in front of a king. So, you know, as, as we say in English, you stand at attention. And the standing of attention itself is the proper mode, according to this way of looking at it. Because, um, you know, you're showing respect. If a president or a king or somebody, you stand up straight. You know, stand as a sign of respect. Like they say in the t- movies, attention, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and that would become an inish to So you have two themes over here. One is daite, and one is just without. One is, does the, does the straight chauffeur or the curved chauffeur reflect literally how you're supposed to physically stand during davening? Alternatively, if you go with das, if you have that gear so, then um, the curved chauffeur or the straight chauffeur has to do with your mental attitude in davening. That's the one I want to talk about today because I feel a podcast. Uh, so what's the idea? I'll show you my, uh, this is just, my thought. Yeah, you know, I can't prove anything. I'll just I'm sharing you what I think. It's all I ever do. Uh, what's the idea of 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 your uh, mentally standing up straight and mentally bent over? Okay. Now it's easy to say, and I'm sure I've done it in the past. That, you know, it's a matter of simply uh, attitude. Should you come at a sham? You know, I mean, uh, like let's put this a yekisha style. You know, straight up, or do it bent over and say I'm a poor sinner and so forth and so on. Uh, or maybe, you know, you want to move yourself to greater kavana. After all, the difference between, shall we say, the misnagdim way, standing up straight, hold Shmanasri, and the Hasidic way of shuckling, all has to do with, you know, what gets it, what do the Hasidim say? Call it mostly tamar na mikamocha. You know, you, 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 you shake like you're scared and you puts you in greater kavana. Fact is, most people today, better or worse, most people today, I mean, I don't like it, but most people better today probably down with more kavanah if they shake. You understand? It's it's what it is. That's why you see, I was at a wedding the other day, but I've met, very often you see a chassan, if it's a real frummy, he'll stand on a chuppah when the call is coming down, he'll shake and this and that and the other. He's trying to, it, it, that's, that's the kavanah that works for him. You understand? He's physically pushing himself to have kavanah. Uh, I get it. That's one way. But I'll tell you, what I was thinking um, the other day, that's what I decided to share this morning, and that's as follows. seems to me, especially in contemporary terms, but it's universal really, that, uh, how should I put this? Let me just cut straight to the chase. You know, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, you're supposed to do tshuva. That means you're supposed to change whatever you did bad last year and not do it again and pick up good things and so forth. Well, that's a nice statement in terms of glittering generalities. But in Lamaisa reality, there are, it seems to me, um, two types of Averas out there. One, which are fairly easily dropped, if one wishes to, and the other one, which is not fairly easily dropped. There are plenty of things that a person, if they're honest, confesses about in Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and so on and so forth, 
But really, they know it's not really going to change next year. So they're hooked. They're addicted to some bad behavior. There are a lot of affairs that we have are like that. Again, theoretically, you should get rid of everything. And and the person who's in shul that I'm talking about, even if he's hooked on it, the very fact that he's in shul and talking about it means he he or she acknowledges that what they're doing is wrong and that they should change. They just find it hard to do so. Now, a person could simply stern and say, well, if you were serious about it, you know, you just stop doing it. I get that. I understand that. But you hear what I'm saying. Life is more complicated than that. Okay? There's certain avarice or behaviors or this, that, and the other. It ain't going to change. You know, perhaps, I think this is a popular way of saying it now. A lot of rabbis do it. They say, well, you know, how, how about reducing it by 50% or 20%? Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of those types of uh, talks and speeches out there. Uh, you know, I know you're not going to totally uh, change, but, you know, try a little bit. And, you know, Mitzvah Goreas Mitzvah. And that, that's not false, right? It's not false. Mitzvah Goreas Mitzvah. You know, it, it could happen. I think I told you. Um, who is it? Dessler. Of Dessler has a... Uh, I always like this of art. He has for the uh, Sarla Azazel, which is a strange custom. Even the Gemara admits it's a strange custom. He says, the guy make fun of us over that. Well, you push a goat off the cliff and never takes care of the sin? And he uh, spiritualizes, psych- psycho- psychologically tried to explain it, the concept of Sarla Zazel, in the sense that sometimes you have to lie to yourself to uh, deceive the Yetzirah. The classic example being a person said like this, if I sit down now and I say, I'm going to learn for the next five hours, it ain't happening. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. So instead what I do is say, like this, I can learn for 10 minutes. 10 minutes not going to kill me. Right? I can learn for 10 minutes. And so I say, I'll learn for 10 minutes. That's all. And when 10 minutes is up, I say, you know, I, I, bet, I bet you I can handle another 10 minutes. But, you know, when t- the 20 minutes is up, I'm leaving. And so on and so forth. So every 10 minutes... You say, so I'm, just, I'm not making any commitment just for another five, ten minutes, another five, ten minutes, another five minutes. Next thing you know, you went five hours. You know, That's basically the approach of Tesler. That you know, you're fooling yourself, or if you wish, you're deceiving your Yetzirah. But sometimes, it's, and not sometimes, probably often, it's psychologically necessary to do that as a tactic against the Yetzirah, let's put it that way, to get you to do something that deep, deep, deep down your Yetzirah Tov is telling you you should do, but if you ever took it on directly and said, I'm going to learn for five hours, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> here's a real good one. You know, a guy said, I guess, I never go to Dominion. I never go to Dominion, you know, and it's coming yellow or something like that. I should really start going to Dominion. Who are you fooling? I ain't getting up every day and going to Dominion. I'm not ready to make that kind of commitment. I'm not. And so what you say is like this, you know, tomorrow, today I could handle it. I'm not committing for the rest of the time. I just, you know, it so happens that I'm not tired and this and that and the other. So I can handle, you know, going to shul tomorrow for chakras. I usually don't, but one one time, big deal. I'm just doing it one time, not after one time. So you go Monday. And then when Monday's over, he's like this. I can handle two times. I could go Tuesday, but I'm not making any commitments. You see what I'm saying? Now, from a certain perspective, he's like, that's pitiful. Well, don't be like that. Don't be like that. Nobody's asking you. We're dealing with this person. And the person I'm talking about, for whatever reason, it's not your business to judge someone else. Go judge yourself. 
for whatever reason, that person finds a, a, an issue to go to davening in the morning. And if it works to him, as a result of these sticks and tricks, he ends up going another day, another day, another day, even if it doesn't turn out to be 100%, but at least he was able to get a couple of davenings out of it, so to speak. You understand? So it's very far from perfect, but on the other hand, it's a, a hurry tshuva, it definitely is, and it's a very significant, we regard it as something very significant. So, um, along those lines, the uh, person comes this time of the year, Elul, Rosh Hashanah, and Kippur, and so forth, and they have all kind of behaviors that they're not proud of, and which eventually they're going to confess, if they're honest, over the course of the Slechus, Yom Kippur, and so on and so forth. Uh, fine. Some of them they'll be able to drop. Others they know very well themselves they're not really going to be able to drop. Uh so what's their tshuva? What is their confession? What are they saying? Is oh, we promise not to do it again. Don't punish us what we did before. Offer any bechayi, kalbacham misasi, and so on and so forth. What, what you know? What's the significance of that? In my way of thinking, I think that that's uh, reflected by the straight shofar versus the curved shofar. As they say in the Gemara, uh, the opinion of the straight shofar is. Whatever you're, the, the straighter you are mentally, that's better. And so, don't fool around and don't fool God and don't fool yourself. Say, look, I have 20 Averas, 5 I can get rid of, and that's it. Um, that's it. Uh, the ones I can't get rid of, no, the person who's a straight shover is like his I'm going to really undertake to, to get rid of all of them. It may happen, it may not. That's We're all like that. We're all uh, fallible. I'm going to try to get rid of all of them. That's a straight person. For the Yekish mentality. You know, there's a virus, you got to get rid of them, you get rid of them. The ones you don't, all right, but you give it the old school try. That's one way. The other way is the person, so that's that's the represented by the straight chauffeur. You deal with the Rabbani Shalom straight up, Yashras. There's no uh, shooting the bull, no, 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 no fooling around, no cutting corners. You know, you, 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 you make a full court press to try to get rid of all your sins. That's one way. The other way is the person really knows he's honest enough with himself to say, you know, I always do this and this and this or whatever. I fail to do that and that. And to be perfectly honest, it's not going to change. Uh, so that person is He's coming into Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur with a bent das. Uh, he can't, he's, he's, he's too honest and therefore depressed over the fact that he can't master these behaviors to which he's addicted, or she. Uh, it's who they are. And it's not great, but, the, but should that person say, since I can't promise to change them, I shouldn't even think about them, Rosh Hashanah. I shouldn't deal with them. They're not up for discussion. Uh, no, that's not the right way. A person has to come and deal with all their behaviors, all of his and her behaviors. And if, if, and let's put it this way, and if they can't change, at least acknowledge it and be depressed over that subject. I don't mean clinical depression, but in other words, you know, it, as we say today, be bent over. Your das should be kafuf. 
You see, in other words, let's put it this way. You have a shame in front of the Rebbeinu Shalom, a sense of shame. Uh, hold on one second. Yeah, here it is. I pulled out my Shari Tshuva um, from Benyona. The shame the person feels, that's the Kofa Vinshdaiti, Kai Vinshdaiti, is actually a precious item. So I'll, I'll say it again. What bigger busha is there than for a person being be a Rosh Kippur and saying, listen, I'm doing this and this, which she said I shouldn't do, and I ain't changed, I'm too hooked on it. I would like to change it. Maybe if you help me, I'll change it or something. I don't know. But I, I'm, I'm honest enough to say I can't really commit to changing this, which is sad. Now, if you think about it, there's a lot of people, probably everybody has some of this. Now, watch this. The cough of Inishtaiti would mean, therefore, the person's bent, mentally bent over and is, as they said before, depressed. Now, depression is a modern term which has uh, clinical and scientific definitions. But in Judaism, depression is not the term they use. They have all kind of different terms. I repeat, all kind of different terms. And um, in the case of when it comes to things like teshuva, things like that, so one of the interesting things that we're talking about is feeling bad and depression and all the rest of it is actually a very high madrego. Even though it's it's far from what's desirable, because desirable is you should actually change. But if a person doesn't reach that point, maybe they're mentally weak, granted, yeah, if the person doesn't reach that point, the very fact that they feel a busha and a klima and a yoga and a anocha is itself a tremendous achievement. Uh, I'm looking at Shari Tzub, for example, when he talks about um, Yogon, in the beginning, Ikar Shlishi. Yishtonin kil Yosef, yama kamrao mishum riyus Yosro. That uh, he, should, he should feel uh, turned over in his kishkas over the, the, the evilness of his sin. And he goes on to say, and this is the point I wanted to make, Madregas uh, Achuva Seho, the different Madregas of Chuva, listen closely, Lefi Godil Hamarirus, uh, the more bitter you feel about your failings, the more bitter you feel about your failings. And that feeling of depression or negativity, that is the highest level of tshuva because it comes, as he says before, from, from um, uh, what do you call it? Tohar ha-nefesh. Notice, you hear that? Tohar ha-nefesh, v'zakosichlo and the clarity of the Seichel, which recognizes um, what I just said, which is which is honest. Okay? And Yiskaper Avon Leva Vachatoim Bimri Rusam V'Anchosam. Now, to be perfectly honest, I think that, I think that the Shari Tzub is talking about a guy who this leads to actually changing the changing the behavior. Uh, so, he's talking about a classic Tzubah, in which you stop doing the behavior, and now you concentrate... Because he does talk, and you know this. He says when you're hooked on something, the first thing to do is, is not be told with Sharetz Biyado, uh, but get rid of the sin, and then worry later on about the Yagim Anocha and all that. Well, let me tell you something. The, um, let me take it here. He says, oops. The, he can talk about that. In the real world today, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the person who is Tobel with Sharetz Biyado. Because a lot of people are like that. Uh, and I know all the Muslim moves about you can't be Tovah Sheretz Biyoto, but to be perfectly honest, plenty of people are Tovah Sheretz Biyoto, but at least they're Tovah, you get it? So I'm not saying that you're Tovah Sheretz Biyoto and that gets rid of the sin, I understand that, but 
That's that's a madrega rather than the Yitzhar Osalyeh. Don't even be tovel. You see, I think, and just suggesting this, I think that seems to me the curved chauffeur. The comma, the call you finish, the mali And because uh, the person's coming to Rosh Hashanah, but he's he's bent over mentally. I mean, he's depressed. He's kaya finished the because he's like this, I'm not really changing. So maybe I'm a total of Sharetz I shouldn't even be in Shul. But we don't say that. We say we want everybody in Shul. I shouldn't even be davening and saying these prayers and saying the al but we want them to be in Shul and saying the al You understand? I, uh, I can't, you know, uh, say that, you know, this is not going to happen again or something like this because it is going to happen again. But we want you to say it anyway. So it's a little bit weird. And I think this is a modern uh, approach, perhaps. Not that I'm a modern person, but I, I'm just saying that it's it's a... Uh, it's a re- it seems to me a psychological reality. Uh, and what's really interesting is, in the course of Jewish history, when we look at, at, at religious practice, you and I know that the um, model of the straight chauffeur did not prevail. And it's universal. Putting aside the machlokas we shown him on the technical side, but it became universal. Everybody used a curved chauffeur, uh, and w- w- which, which is really kind of interesting. And... Uh, I think that it uh, that means that the opinion of Kaya finished Daiti Malitve prevailed. Um, let's put it this way: Vox Populi Vox Day. That you know what the, the what's the expression? This was the Jewish people in their in their in their masses have undertaken, and uh, I think it speaks volumes. So as we come to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Although people won't admit it, and I'm not saying to go and confess it's nobody else's business, there's a plenty of people going to be tovel shards There's a lot of people going to go out there and talk about affairs, which they know full well if they're honest with themselves, they're not exactly going to get rid of. But you push and you try, and the fact you you come and the fact you confess it, maybe it will help. You understand? You never know. Circumstances in life are such that unexpected things happen. And unexpected changes do take place. And the same person who says on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, I'm confessing this sin. I don't think I'm going to get rid of it this year. I wish I could. You know, it might happen that they do. I've seen that too. You know, it might happen that they do. And so uh, that's why it's it's uh, not inappropriate to use that bent chauffeur as the call to be Ma'arvev the Sutton, because the the Sutton might say like this, what's this guy even here for? I mean, uh, he knows himself, ask him himself, he's not going to change. Well, you don't know, you confuse the Satan, because sometimes it does lead to change. Uh, anyway, that's what I thought really goes to the etzim of the Domini of Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, a major part of it, and I wanted to share that with you. As always, I want to thank Mishpacha Stefanski for um, sponsoring the Tefillah Podcast, and with that, I wish you a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidovidkatz.com.